0: Welcome to the second podcast about the creative arts and as I've mentioned to you before, if you would like to follow these podcasts, you go to soundcloud.com forward slash primary curriculum, all one word, and click on the orange follow button. Log in with your at account or if you're a non-DOE person, go through Facebook or alternatively create your own SoundCloud account and we'll have lots of interviews and discussions with principals and arts educators, teachers, industry professionals, even a few famous people coming along and uh, we'll be talking about general information about the creative arts. So today I've got in the studio with me, Susan Suka. Many of you will know Susan, she's worked with, I don't know how many students over the years, but a lot um, with her current role as a uh, a uh, Arts Coordination Officer, but you might know her through the Festival of Instrumental Music, which she has run for a gazillion years, and I'm sure Susan will talk us through that a little bit later. Um, but I'd like to introduce Susan and welcome her today. Hi, Susan. Thank you, Julia. Um, so Susan and I first met a really long time ago. We've been trying to work out where or when, but um, I think what we can track it back to is around about the time of the Sing 2001 Choir Program, which was set up to really as an opening ceremony item for the um, 2000 Olympics. And I was a new grad at the time, and I remember my principal saying to me, "Oh, look, you've got a bit of musical background. Why don't you Why don't you go for this?" Because they were auditioning for people to take some of these choirs. And I had absolutely no confidence and thought, really, I don't have that much of a musical ability, but I'll, I'll give it a go. And I remember, I think it was actually Richard Gill who came along at the time and auditioned me with my year one class. No pressure whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> and I taught them to sing around. And obviously he saw some potential in there and thankfully got lots of professional learning. And I believe that is where I first met you. Probably. Yeah. Um, my
1: story is a little bit similar in that I was sitting in a, a staff meeting at the beginning of the year uh, for a teaching position. I had a classroom position and they were going through the list of duties and they were saying who would like to wash the tea towels and who would <laughs> like to be the fed rep and who would like to take the choir and nobody put their hand up and they said really nobody and I nobody put their hand up and I said oh, well I've got a little bit of a music background and if there's nobody else to take the choir I hated the thought of the choir not existing I'll do that and the rest is history so I'm like Julia I came into the uh, into it from a music background but from as a generalist teacher and without thinking that I had the uh, necessary skill set that was required and uh, yeah, so I've been on that journey with Julia all these years. In fact, it was the last millennium that we met. <laughs> that seems like a,
0: a very long time ago. Saying but, something about our age, I think. Well,
1: <laughs> well, you know, we have had a lot of experience and lots of uh, amazing times in between. So it's been a privilege to work in this area of um, education and
0: I wouldn't have it any other way. So... You've sort of told us a little bit about your music education journey there, but like, how did it, how did it transpire from there? Obviously, you started taking the choir, but what happened next? What were the next steps?
1: Well, I started to look for opportunities for the choir to perform, and obviously, the arts unit opportunities came up, and uh, the school had been successful in the past, in years past, in in auditioning for those opportunities. So The Sing 2001 started and, and I also auditioned for that and was um, successful in winning one of those those places. And I started auditioning the choir for various things and very quickly discovered that the adjunct of, of those performance opportunities and not even the performance opportunities but the repertoire the, that was so carefully selected and uh, so suitable for for Primary children was like absolutely essential to my music teaching practice, and I was taken off classroom teaching and put on to RFF music at this large school with over 700 children. So I was hungry all the time for repertoire, and for uh, you know, their vocalese all came out around that time. I went to every professional. Development mm. that was available and sort of soaked it up and was so great. Probably why our paths kept crossing. Yes. We were doing,
0: following the same trajectory. Yes. So, Susan, you've obviously got a musical background, but that's not something that we all necessarily need to have to make this journey start?
1: No. Um, no. It's a love of music and the desire to have a go and to enrich the lives of students through music. And I always find with teachers that I work with that once they start that journey and they see the enormous and immediate response from children and their enthusiasm and their love of learning, uh, they often feel starved for that type Mm. of experience, I feel, children and teachers. And once they start that journey, it's self propagating you know it just continues Mm. so
0: and that's something I said in that very first podcast was that I think people who or teachers who will deprive their students of an arts education really they're starving those students of something that is so important for their lives and so important for the future of our country absolutely and it's a human condition to love the arts
1: it's it's part of our DNA we all love music If your love of music happens to be country and western and you take that to your children in the classroom and show them that you love it and explain why, the children will start to love it too. They catch that enthusiasm and it enriches their lives and then that has a spill on effect to every other aspect of education. Um, That joy, that spontaneity, that creativity flows over into everything else
0: so if I'm out there listening to you talking Susan and I hear okay well you've got all these skills behind you but I don't have much I'm pretty limited in my experience Let's say I'm a, a cricket player and I'm really great at that but I'm really aware that I need to start teaching my students some music but I'm scared to death what do I do
1: well, there are so many resources and things that you can um, delve into, and the Vocalies, um more resource that has now just um, been released. That's um, the genre of the music is is very uh, varied, so that you will always be able to find some way of hooking into into children through. The music that you love you actually will realize that you know a lot more than you thought you knew mm. if you take the creative arts music syllabus k-6 to syllabus and apply that to um, music that you love as a starting point with the children so it might be beat it might be pitch it might be an ostinato that you can hear through the music if you look at the curriculum, it isn't that difficult to break down the composite parts and analyse a piece of music and take it from there.
0: I think it's a lot to do with getting past that initial fear of, I can't do this. And as I said last time, you know, quoting Master Yoda, that there's no such thing as try, just get in there and do it. And that's what happened for me. I was kind of forced, my hand was forced, go in and try. I've just said don't say try, but go in and do it and you'll be amazed. And once I broke down that initial barrier, the sky was the limit for me and it really surprised me what I was capable of. So I think that's a really important message to get out to people out there. It's true. And teachers are
1: inherently creative people. They have to be. You have to be flexible, creative, uh, a blue sky thinker to be a good teacher. So if you take those qualities into your classroom and have a go with the children, they will forgive your errors. They, it's your enthusiasm, it's your passion for music that they will pick up on. I'm constantly learning from teachers. I do professional development with teachers every day, almost you know on a daily basis, and every day I'm, I learn something from a teacher. Mm. I watch what they're doing think, oh my gosh, that is a great idea. I had never yep. thought of that. Yep. And a child will ask a question and take you off onto another tangent and the lesson will go off in another direction that you couldn't possibly have imagined initially. You need to be flexible. You need to enjoy it and have a go.
0: So what if I'm one of those people who back in the day was perhaps tapped on the shoulder and said no you're not in the choir because you can't sing in tune or someone's told me somewhere along my journey that I can't sing what do you do
1: well you hear that all the time from teachers and i it makes me so mad because learning to sing is a skill and it's a skill that needs to be carefully attended to so it it's almost akin to saying to somebody like me who is a very, very bad physically. Go and jump those 10 hurdles over there without knocking one (laughs) over. Well, I could never ever do that. It would never happen. I can sing because I've got some natural sort of ability, but everybody has that ability. It's a matter of finding the right repertoire of not jumping in, trying to sing. And this is an example I give all the time to teachers. Red and yellow and pink and green, orange and purple and blue. I can sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow, sing a rainbow too. Okay, lovely words, lovely kindergarten sort of message. Very, very difficult very to Very difficult. The range of the, of the notes, the intervals. I can sing a rainbow. Very, very difficult. So any teacher trying to sing that without the background and the um, pre-learning, mm. it just just won't work. So yeah. you must learn to assess the music and to pick. And that's why things like vocalese More are so useful because all of that has been done for you. Mm. The ranges, raising, yeah. Yeah, the ranges of the songs The um, sort of sequence of learning the music yep. So that it's broken down into bite sizes I have not ev- never met a teacher that I couldn't work with So that they could sing in tune I have to say yeah, I've had bets along the way And I've won them every time
0: So in saying that Okay, so you've given us an example of something hard If I wanted to start where could I start?
1: Well, there are masses of um, uh, of primary school level music that's available. So you could start with chants. You could start with very limited... Okay, pedi- so through bass.
0: speech. Yes. Yep. So we're using speech to start. Yes, and okay.
1: you, move, you go from speech to chanting, which is rhythmic speech, to very simple songs like, Seesaw up and down the minor third descending. In the sky and on the ground. And don't
0: worry if you don't understand what that terminology no, means you know, all that's just your siren. La, ee-o-la, la, ee-o-la. Exactly. Apparently and the first interval that children ever hear is that interval. And it is also the
1: interval that is cross cultural. So Absolutely. That if you go to Japan and go into a classroom or a playground, you'll hear that interval. Mm. Hungary, Australia, Anywhere
0: in the world, so it's a very natural. And in saying that, think about children's singing games and their clapping games that you might see you're in the playground you're the
1: playing at the castle. you yes. down your nerdy ride. That's Russell.
0: not very nice, Susan. <laughs> what about something like, you know, um, Frere Jacques or something like that? So let's just sing that one Frere Jacques, Frere Jacques, dormez vous, dormez vous. Sana lematina, sana lematina, ding dang dong ding dang dong now let's just say for fun we wanted to change the words and i've done this a lot with students over the years where we just change it to something that's fun for them um, so let's try the star wars version R two D two R two D two C three c C three P O Obi Wan Kenobi Obi Wan Kenobi Han Solo Han, Han Solo
1: Han Solo Han Solo.
0: Sorry, I got no. That's up. all right. So that now let's tricky. make up. Let's go even further with that. Just yeah. say so we were in a classroom, wanted to have a bit of fun. Um, I'll just do what about you? Okay, and I will answer. <laughs> oh, so you you're going to make a, one up back I to will. me? I will. Wow, this is getting complicated. Okay. Susan Suka, Susan Suka, Julia, is very clever, Julia. is very clever. She's you a great musician, she's a great musician. Wow, she's, really she's, she's good,
1: wow, she's really good, you are great. You
0: are great. Gee, we're packing, <laughs> patting each other on the back here, aren't we? oh, well, look, that was a bit of fun. But that's great fun that the students can have. We are 3P, we are 3B and so on, you know, and making up things rule. about them. Yeah. And uh, you can
1: change words to nursery rhymes too and, and to things like diddle diddle dumpling, um, Richard Gill's set of... Um, uh, of those beautiful nursery rhymes that we're losing out of our culture. Oh, nursery rhymes are so you know,
0: important, aren't they? They
1: really, really are. And um, there are lots of examples of those. But you can take a, one of those nursery rhymes and personalize it to a child in your class. And when you do do that, the look on their face is so oh, it's gorgeous, precious isn't it? because they realise that you're, you've picked them and you're making up and something about them. They love it.
0: Yeah. Now, look, in saying that, we just launched straight into singing that in a round. Now, you wouldn't do that if you were not feeling very confident in music. You would start with just singing it as we did without doing it as a round and then gradually building up that singing in a round skill because that does take some time and some practice. You have to be really confident with the melody and everything first, don't you? Yes, you were. You noticed us. We were sort of – well, me in particular. (laughs) (laughs) What are you saying, Susan?
1: (laughs) that I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't like to listen back to that with a um a tuner on because <laughs> um, you know it's it's not an easy skill that's right and so these people that have been told when they're a little child you know you should never sing you go out and skip and stop stop singing is hurtful and it's a very strong message mm. that people carry as a hurt and it should never happen and we need very much to guard against that, making those very sweeping judgments about people's musicianship. Oh,
0: absolutely. I remember my mother telling me she'd never ever sang to me when I was a child because she'd been told she couldn't do it. Yeah. Someone at
1: school had told her that. And that's, uh, you know, that's just not true. It's a learnt skill and it's one that has to be carefully worked on. So keep singing in the shower. Yep. Sing away. Don't worry about what other people say. Use the music that you know and enjoy hmm. as a starting point with your class. Yep. Do some research into that. Use um, Go into other key learning areas. Have a look at the the rhythmic, uh, the words. Um, yes, absolutely.
0: You know, and, you know, don't be scared to use recordings as well, as no. long as they're good recordings, and sing along with those too. Yes, yep. absolutely. Um, you know, that is, it's a
1: matter of just introducing music that you love, to your children. Yep. I think that's the most important message that Absolutely.
0: I now, talking about that, though, let's say you don't really... I know you do love classical music, but let's say that you didn't and that's not something that you listen to. What's your position on teaching classical music in the classroom or having some classical music for the students to listen to? My position is that classical music forms
1: part of the genre of music for all of us and that just because you're unfamiliar with it doesn't mean that you should shy away from it. I Stories that are told through classical music can be incredibly powerful mm. to children. You can Google anything these days so you can find adventures in music and you can be listening to all sorts of yeah. uh, music and I believe that classical music should be part of that canon of what we teach to children. Um, just because you haven't got any experience with it uh, doesn't mean that you should shy away from it I think Absolutely. just listen to it find a piece in the Hall of the mountain King by pier G- from the pier Gintz suite um, rodeo from um, Aaron Copeland mm. things that ha- are very strongly programmatic the yeah, or the four
0: seasons um. yes yeah and tie
1: into other areas they um, of And just Google classical music for children Mm. and listen through to things. I have seen uh, a simple listening lesson where a piece of music has been put on, children are, are sitting and listening, and I have seen children be absolutely captivated and transported, and they're not the ones that you necessarily would think would Mm. be the ones that have been transported by this music so it can lead into an art lesson it can lead into a creative writing lesson absolutely so easily it can be used as a lesson break to just you know as a circuit breaker in the classroom for children to relax to breathe you will come up with all sorts of ideas if you start to think about what you can do
0: absolutely so we know that music is a universal language and you've basically already said that, but how could we relate music in our classroom to other cultures?
1: Well, you know, every culture has its own specific music and so it's quite easy to find examples of that music and then to go
0: and research. Or, it. or ask the students themselves.
1: Yeah, and one thing I've done is uh, I actually asked the class of um, to ask their mums and grandmums, grandmothers and grandfathers, for that matter, and fathers to uh, sing a nursery um, a lullaby to them, something that they use. It's to part go of their homework. Isn't it yeah. gorgeous? And actually got them to come in and sing it to the class and to teach it. Oh wow! Because usually their language is very limited, and it's. Um, it, you know, so it's something that you can actually teach another language to the class. And that makes that child feel so valued, that their culture, that their traditions are being uh, valued by a whole class of children. And an, a lullaby always has very small number oh, of lyrics. Yeah, lullaby. So just quite simple and they can just come and sing it or they can record them
0: and nice and soft and gentle too i think our students are so exposed to things like the voice and australia's got talent and all of those things i think they've got to build everything out and use this really big chest voice and you know blast the, the roof off the building but beautiful gentle singing is the best way to do it and it's the best way not to damage your voice as well absolutely it? yeah um now i wanted to talk to you about a difficult topic which is notation Now this is always a block for teachers. If they don't read music, they think I can't do it, I'm not going to do it, it is too hard. Now I know and you know that really reading notation, A, it's an expectation of the syllabus, talking about that sound to symbol relationship, but it's actually just a mathematical code. It is really just symbols on a page to represent a sound. That is all it is. Now we're not saying that you have to go out and suddenly start doing music lessons so that you can read music but getting the idea across to yourself and to the students that notation in the primary school is about getting that sound to symbol relationship so we start with graphic notation and we can build it up how have you dealt with that with teachers who don't know how to read music and maybe are reluctant to do it
1: well again exactly as you said you start off with a very um, limited palette of uh, rhythmic notations and you teach it alongside the children, so uh, every teacher is able to read, you know, a, a crotchet, two quavers, and a crotchet
0: rest, or tar, tt, and sa rest. Um, so we so could think of it like a pizza: that a whole pizza for a tar, yep. a pizza cut in half for tt, yep. and a sa. The whole pizza has been eaten. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes, okay. you could do that. Um, All uh, we've got left is the
1: packet to show that there's still a beat there. Then. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Nothing left on it. <laughs> and uh, you can devise it in all sorts of different ways. But I start off with teaching that it, it's very interesting how much you can do with just those three. Um, you can do all sorts of games with auditory um, imagination, auditory memory, auditory um, uh, awareness. So just those three things can be used to build a whole lot of uh, lessons around um, teaching those very, very fundamental and important skills that our children, we all feel as teachers, are losing. Mm. You know, they are that ability to listen and to focus and to, because of the amount of stimulation that's coming Absolutely. into the world, is, is a challenge for many, many children. And so you can use those things to teach that. Then adding pitch to those rhythms is another. So just a note, and then a note above, and then the note below, and just adding
0: so gradually. A gradual process. Yes,
1: and for primary school, uh, for the majority of primary school children and teachers, that is enough. Mm. So if they do go on to private lessons in, you know, or, or instrumental lessons in uh, at another time, that's given them the foundations and the concepts, the principles, to start to learn more complex notation. But uh, from that point, it's really up to the individual to see how far they mm. develop. And a lot of teachers do get a great kick out of being able to do that and to realize, oh, yes, well there's, and there's so much out there now to help you with it. Mm. There's so many tutorials and you can go into vocalese 2, are Vocal um, More, um, all of those departmental um, The resources. animated scores that
0: follow along exactly. and show you what to do exactly. and how to read it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but it shouldn't be a stumbling block. And again, even just starting with graphic notation of, you know, a triangle equals this instrument or a, and a circle means play this instrument and a big one might mean loud and a small one yes. might mean soft and if it's up high on the page then it might be a high sound and down low might be a low sound. Those sort of starting points. So it shouldn't be a hurdle. Now, Susan, we've talked a lot about music. What about the other art forms, in your opinion? Let's talk about the importance of all the art forms. Well, it's, for me, I feel like
1: to divorce them and to, to put them all into their own little um, category is a really alien concept to me. Uh, movement, dance and music just go together. Drama, Dramatising um you know, chance, and if you're channeling your inner Richard Gill, as I always say, you know, you dramatise everything that you're doing with children. It's um, it's hard not to, mm. uh, and to to move and to and I know that dance it has its own um, repertoire of of movement and and terminology and symbols and all of those things. and I'm completely, uh, you know, I I respect all of that but i also think that they there's a symbiosis that absolutely goes on with all of these things that happens automatically yep. and one thing leads to another so as i was saying you know if you're singing a song and or you're listening to a piece of music and it leads to some creative writing it can also move move very easily to dance and it can also move to drama mm-hmm. and it can very easily go into visual arts oh absolutely know. Um, and I've seen
0: some fantastic work with teachers using visual artworks as stimulus for all of the other art forms as well I just think it's magical
1: yeah that they are all they all interrelate and have a relationship with each other and to try and divorce them from each other is a counterintuitive. I, yeah. I feel well we
0: don't function like that as people do we, no, we no. don't walk around going I'm only music I'm yeah. only dance yeah. I'm only mathematics it's all integrated in our lives it's
1: and that's the fun of teaching, when you take something like that and then just explore it and go to whatever corner of the earth that it yep. takes you with your children and with uh, with your own creative ideas.
0: Fantastic. Well, look, is there any other advice that you'd like to offer to some teachers out there who might be struggling with their music or arts journeys? Um, obviously, your background is mainly in music, but is there anything that... You'd like to pass to those teachers out there who are thinking, oh, I can't do it, but I'm I'm on the precipice. I'd really like to give it a go. Uh, I would say
1: get in touch. You know, make sure you get in touch with you or with me. There are networks of teachers out there that you can get involved in. Uh, there's a myriad of support um, uh, documents around and help that you can get you. If you have a community of schools, perhaps just um, talk to the other teachers and work out whether you can have a music afternoon and all bring something along to the um, to the afternoon and um, invite another person along, mm. like another ex. You know, there are music teachers right over New South Wales. There, yep. it's not as though, or and dance and drama. It's not as though there's nothing happening. So you just need to reach out and make a connection.
0: And if you're on your own, just starting with... Even if you've got a stage three class, there is nothing wrong with starting with a nursery rhyme, getting it chanting, turning it into a rap, then adding some backing music to it. It's amazing. The sky's the limit, really. And letting those children take some creative control there and go for it, give them some stimulus. Yes. And they and they can use GarageBand now
1: and make backing tracks the children are, are infinitely better at that than <laughs> we are.
0: Absolutely, It comes back to that old digital native statement. They, yeah, yeah, the, they the are. children
1: are, are fearless and yeah. they take it. We, we well, I, I'm talking about myself, but a lot of the teachers are listening to this are probably in that fearless category. I I worry about breaking something or doing it wrong. Um, the children aren't mm. and they go with them, you know, get them to make a film, make a digital and and put music to the film. And there's your drama happening. You can have dance and movement happening in there. You know, there's so much that can be done. But reach out for um, some support if you need that. Uh, There's many people in the department. I know you would be a good starting spot. Yep, absolutely. And
0: And we've got some online courses in music particularly that are great if you're starting on that musical journey. Yes. And those are all linked on the... Uh, education.newsouthwales.gov.au page which is freely available for teachers to look at and download and access courses and they can jump on MyPL and there's a few music courses there that they can do as well. So look Susan it's been fantastic talking with you today and um, I'm sure everyone's got a lot out of hearing about your journey and it's been really exciting. I know how many Students out there have been incredibly stimulated in their lives by the work that you've done with them over the years and for their teachers. So thank you and um, thanks for your time today. It's been It's been, been great. a real privilege speaking with you. Thank you very much, Julia. And if you enjoyed today's podcast and you would like to follow us so you can get future episodes, remember to go to soundcloud.com forward slash primary curriculum click on the orange follow button and use your at account to log in and set that all up or otherwise go in through Facebook or create your own SoundCloud account and I look forward to speaking to you very, very soon.